Welcome to the next episode of the Brio in the Box podcast. Today we're featuring our BHB, Keto Salt Boost. BHB is beta-hydroxybutyrate. It is the molecule that your own liver will produce when you are on a low-carb diet or going through a period of fasting. Beta-hydroxybutyrate basically replaces glucose as the primary fuel source for the brain, for the heart, for working muscles, all sorts of things. It basically allows you to run a fat-based metabolism rather than a glucose or carbohydrate-based metabolism. If you are in the process of adapting to a ketogenic diet, supplemental BHB can help through the adaptation phase. It can help you prepare for a ketogenic diet beforehand. It can also give you a little boost of extra energy before a workout. And it can be something that you just incorporate into a regular healthy lifestyle, even if you're not necessarily planning on ever doing a low-carb diet. So in addition to being an energy substrate, beta-hydroxybutyrate has a bunch of other pleiotropic effects, which is like a add-on. Effect. So some of the things that signal in the body that beta-hydroxybutyrate does, it lowers oxidative stress and inflammation, which is always a good thing. It has a neurocalming effect in the brain. It keeps a balance between your excitatory and inhibitory neurons, which is why for like over 100 years, a ketogenic diet has been well known to be the most effective treatment for drug-resistant epilepsy, especially in children, because it has this neurocalming effect, but also beneficial for like anxiety and other mood disorders, neurological disorders. It spares glucose, so it allows you to save your very small glucose fuel tank for that last like kick to the finish in a workout so that you don't end up bonking when you run out of glucose. It spares leucine, which is the most anabolic amino acid. It's the most anabolic type of protein, so heavily involved in growing muscle. So more beta-hydroxybutyrate helps you grow more muscle. It suppresses osteoclasts, which are the little cells that break down your bone mass, so it helps you have a bigger, stronger skeleton. It suppresses your appetite increases something called mitochondrial biogenesis. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. (laughs) Remember back to grade 11 biology. So biogenesis means creation of new. So it helps you create more energy powerhouses in all of your working cells so that you can use more fuel more efficiently. You can run more efficiently on fat and um, carbs. Mm. And it turns on a bunch of favorable longevity gene expression. So it can help you live longer, help you with cellular repair in a way that keeps you a robust individual for a lot more years of your life. So tons of benefits to beta-hydroxybutyrate. You can get it yourself through a low-carb diet or fasting, or you can supplement and add it in there as well. So it's good for anybody. Good for anybody, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start a series of getting to know all of our coaches, all of our awesome team. Mm -hmm. We have great people at Brio, Um, but we're going to start with you and me. We're going to get to know, we're going to get to know David Mm. today, also known as the boss. (laughs) Call you boss all the time. How did that even start? Well, because my nickname is Zoss, and so then I just thought it was funny if we were Zoss and the boss. <laughs> so I don't know. It started as a joke, it's and then it kind stuck. Of started as a stupid joke, and yeah. it was, I don't know, an endearing term that I could call you that wasn't like nauseating to other people, yeah. where I'm like, schmoopsie poo, or anything. So I just call you the boss all the time, and now everybody else does too, so. Mm. I'm uh, not actually the boss. <laughs> I'm just called the boss. The, the co-boss? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Okay, so let's go way back. Where'd you grow up? Where are you from? I'm, I was born in Calgary and I lived there until grade nine. And then I was lucky enough to get to move to Canmore, which was lame at the time. But now looking back, it was awesome. My mom worked for the Alpine Club and their like head office, I guess, was, was in Canmore. And as, you know, awkward teenager, when all you want to do is play video games and like underage drinking and stuff, <laughs> there wasn't a lot to like to do. But 
it was super awesome because it was like, there was like zero crime and you could walk anywhere in the city and we were right in the mountains and I, I loved snowboarding. So we would do that like every weekend and yeah, it was, it was a cool, cool place. The scariest character you'd run into would be like a moose in the street, maybe a bear. There was not a lot of gangster criminals in Canmore. <laughs> I, I went, one time I was sitting in my basement and I heard someone coming up the steps in our patio, like on the back. And I was like, what the hell? Who's that? And I was alone in the house and I go upstairs and all the lights are off and it's nighttime. And I like had a sliding glass door uh, that was where you would get onto the deck. And I'm standing by this door and I turn on the light and there's a bear on my my deck and I'm like oh <laughs> shit and I just turned the light off and like, he's just like rooting around in some garbage or something that was out there and I was like okay things that happen when you live in the mountains yeah so yeah, fun. so you mentioned snowboarding let's talk yeah. about like the sports you were into what'd you do what'd you play as a kid I was never really super into team sports I did the like little soccer guy stuff and my mom tried gymnastics for me and I like for, I don't even remember why I didn't like it, but I just wasn't into it and I didn't do it. And I w- really wish I would have. If I could go back in time, that's the one thing I would have would have done. And then I played basketball for a while. I was really tall when I was young. I was I was six feet tall when I was 15 or 16 or so. Still are. Still, yeah. I <laughs> used to be six feet tall. Still am. A little Mitch Hedberg reference. Yeah. <laughs> So I played basketball and volleyball because in like small towns, kind of you, everybody plays, you have to, but I was really more into like extreme sports, I guess is what we call them now. So I was, I was into skateboarding and BMX for a little while and then snowboarding like crazy. And I think it's died, but I was super into inline skating and that was the thing that I was the best at, And but it's gone now. I don't think anybody does it anymore. Yeah. Doing um, flips and tricks and things. Yeah. On inline I was, skates. I was that crazy person that would just like go jump off staircases and slide down rails and do stupid stuff and it's so funny because when when I would be out on the streets doing stuff it was like no helmet at all and then as soon as I went to the park I would put the helmet on because you had to in the skate park the supervisor guy made everybody wear a helmet but as soon as I was on the street it was like nope don't need this anymore (laughs) but I would wear like hand protection and knee protection because like that's where I would fall so fortunately I never actually had any head trauma and then when we first met, <laughs> we went on a date and we went snowboarding and I show up and you're like, where's your helmet? I'm like, helmet? Like we're snowboarding. I was like, get a helmet. I, like, I have a toque. <laughs> <laughs> so we bought a helmet. I made you buy a helmet. And now, now we have a helmet. <laughs> that was like 24 hours after we met. Not even. It was like yeah. 12 hours after we met and I made you get a helmet. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was into extreme sports and that was the big thing. So Growing up in Canmore, you're right close to Banff, right? Yeah. So like Sunshine, Lake Louise, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you got into snowboarding in the early days, right? So yeah. you're 43 now. Let's yeah, do a little was, math, right? Yeah. At the, when you were in high school in the late 90s. That was like just when snowboarding was becoming like a thing, right? So yeah. The- I remember when I first, I did, in Calgary, when I was still living in Calgary, I must have been like, I don't know, eight or nine. And I went and tried a snowboard lesson and... It was super early on where everybody was still like, what the hell are those things? Yeah. So it, yeah, it was, it was definitely pretty old school. Mm-hmm. It's still something we like to do. Yep. I am not a good snowboarder, but I like to try. <laughs> <laughs> and so when we met in Calgary, yeah. and if you go back to the first episode of this podcast, we talk about kind of the history of Brio and the history of, of you and I and how we met and everything. Yeah. So we won't repeat that whole story. 
But like our, our second date, the day after we met, we went snowboarding together. Yeah. You hadn't been in like four or five years. Yeah. For some reason, you'd been in Calgary and working and just hadn't been out to the mountains. So then yeah. that kind of like restarted something as an activity that we like together. It's yeah. something we still do together. It's something we've gotten both our kids into. Yeah. Both little shredders and something we started like Dash on a board when he was two. Yeah. So trying to get them into it. You know, we don't we don't live in the best place for snowboarding, <laughs> yeah. but uh, well, real far from the mountains, <laughs> that would be the disadvantage. But yeah, that's something that's kind of stuck with us forever. Yeah. So then, post high school, what did you do for um, school? I took a year off, and I used to be a lifeguard, and I just did that. So I guess I was sort of into swimming too for a while there. But I was lifeguarding, and I really liked that a lot because it was an easy pool, and I had no, I barely ever had to save anybody. And then after my year off, I decided I originally was going to get into chiropractics and I thought doing massage therapy would be a good sort of like way to get into it so I could do both. And then I did my massage program, which was a condensed um, like 12 month course out of Mount Royal College. And I did that for a very short amount of time and realized I just wasn't into it at all, which sucked because all the money you spend and all the time you dedicate to it. And then you get there like, and you're whoops, like, don't mm, like that. I don't actually like this in my head, in my like 19 year old head, I was going to massage like models and athletes <laughs> and that was not reality <laughs> at all. And so it was definitely like, a, man, this is just isn't for me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really do a ton with my massage. I would massage friends and stuff, but I didn't really like fully pursue it. And in the meantime to, to make some money, I got into the, the restaurant industry and started serving tables at Earl's originally in Calgary. Good old Earl's. And so then that took you on a career path of yeah. the restaurant industry yeah. for like 10, 12 years? Yeah, I served I served at Earl's and then moved back to Banff for a while and was serving tables there in, at Earl's in Banff. And then was going to move back to Calgary and ended up switching over to Moxie's because a friend of mine was working there. And then I ended up working at Moxie's just as a server and I started shift leading, right, where you're not really a manager, you're just kind of like supervising. And then I had another friend who wanted me to come and work at their restaurant that they were working at. It was called called Joey Tomatoes, then it was Joey's, and now it's just Joey. So... I started out there and I didn't have like huge intentions to run a, ma- uh, a restaurant, but you just get sucked in and I was pretty good at it. And, you know, they asked if I wanted to start shift leading and I did. And then next thing you know, I was like offered a job as the bar leader. And then I like worked my way up and the next thing you know, I was running the whole restaurant. So it's kind of one of those things where you just sort of fall into it. And then the next thing you know, it's been six years, 10 years or mm-hmm. whatever, but it was super fun. And Joey did a real good job of like personal development. And I think I I learned a lot in my time there Mm -hmm. about talking to people and, you know, just building relationships and helping people and and all that. So it was, it was cool while it lasted, but it wasn't, it wasn't the thing I wanted to do forever. I don't think. Yeah. So when you and I first met, I was still doing that. Yeah. So when we met, you were running Mm -hmm. uh, Joey on Barlow and like, had good people skills, good organization, you know, you were running your whole staff of people and doing all the like, you know, scheduling and management and kind of like looking after everything and making it, making it special, using your unique skill set to help that industry. And then as we talked about in our first episode, we both kind of had a bad day at work and Mm -hmm. came home and in like a fit of like probably what everyone else would have considered stupidity, (laughs) like decided to quit our jobs and completely change industries and we decided we wanted to be 
both of us wanted to be personal trainers. So we signed up to do the first little weekend course we did was I think can fit pro can fit pro yeah. certified. And personal it was trainer like, thing. it was a fine program. Like they, they did your classroom time, but then they actually did like you did your written exam, but then they actually did a practical exam as well where they would like, I had to train you and they would ask questions like, okay, so if she can't do this movement, what would you do instead? Or like if this customer had whatever problem, what would you do? So it was, it was a decent mm-hmm. course for sure. So we were dabbling in the fitness industry, working mm. out. That was kind of like a thing that we had in common. 2008 or seven? 2007 2008, is when it started. We found CrossFit. Yeah. In a magazine. Yeah. We talked about that. The hardest yeah. workout in the world. What do you remember about your first CrossFit workout? I remember not being able to walk <laughs> and having it like uh, we finished with a one mile run and we did it on a treadmill and I probably stopped like eight times. Like I just, my legs were so completely obliterated that I like, I couldn't even run at like a snail's, I couldn't even walk. And yeah. I'm on this treadmill trying to keep track of, uh, you know, how much distance I've done. And it took me forever. Yeah. And, I, and just thinking afterwards, like, okay, there's, there's something to this because I've never, I've never had this feeling before. I've never pushed myself like this before. It was always reps and sets and traditional movements and you like finish your set of 10 and you're like okay that's good enough and then you like move on to the next movement and I just never had that like absolutely destroyed feeling before and that combination too right like I think it's a Greg Glassman quote where they say you can take someone that deadlifts three days a week and you Mm -hmm. can take someone that runs three days a week and you make them do both in the same workout and it's as if they've never done either so the interference or just the you know doing things for time or the extra intensity combination of things makes it a particularly potent (laughs) dose of fitness, unlike almost anything else. Yeah. So if you go back to that first episode, we kind of talked all about the whole history of Brio and kind of how we got to this point. So we Mm -hmm. won't retell that whole same story. We started our CrossFit affiliate that same year at the end of 2008. So now 13 years on, Mm -hmm. what, what do you do? (laughs) What would you say you do here? (laughs) We run Brio together. Is that What's an your space reference? <laughs> this is an space reference. What would you say you do here, Bob? <laughs> Not a lot of anything. <laughs> what What is your role? What do you cover? What do you do? Um, Tell the people. I do a lot of the back end stuff. So I like I answer the email. I'm the secretary, basically. <laughs> I answer. <laughs> David's the detail guy. Let's yeah. put it that way. I'm not good at yeah. that. I I usually am the one who's responding to emails and dealing with all the like you know contact us stuff on the website. I do the programming, which is something that I've always really been interested in. And it's kind of like, you know, when the like person in the movie sees the like math and it just all makes sense. Like I've always, I think, felt pretty natural doing it. So I've done the programming for a while now and I actually really enjoy it. It's like a a way to be creative, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to come back to that and talk lots more about the programming. Yeah. What else do I do? You do all the staff scheduling which yes. is like kind of a skill set that you took from running your restaurant that just naturally was the fit for you to do all the like right managing staff and scheduling yeah you're also our very handy repairman yeah and you're the guy that builds all the things yeah makes everything cool and I like and- I like doing projects I've always been a real hands-on person and even like when I worked in the restaurant I would try to like fix stuff myself or whatever and my boss at the time would be like doing that we have a guy that does that like stop doing that (laughs) but I just like I always I always really liked working with my hands and I like uh you know doing creative stuff and trying to like my biggest thing is problem solving I think that's what I realized in like renovating our house and a bunch of the gym projects is I I know I'm always going to run into a problem and I like 
fixing it. I like to like, you know, figure out a way to get around the problem. It's, mm-hmm. it's very like soothing for my, my mind, I guess. Yeah. We used to refer to you as Canada's worst handyman, mm-hmm. <laughs> like 10 years ago when you had no skills, but you would yeah. still try to fix things. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell a story here? Sure. I'm sorry to do this. In our old gym, old Brio, our little tiny gym on central, someone had done, I think a handstand and like kicked their foot through the drywall. Yeah. And you fixed the, it was like a substantially sized hole. It was like, deep. Hole it was like a out hole of the drywall. The, yeah. And you just filled that hole <laughs> with just drywall mud. Yeah. Like an entire bucket just <laughs> smushed it in the hole in the wall. This was shortly before we were moving out. So we were like kind of fixing it so that we wouldn't yeah. so we'd get our damage deposit back. And you just like filled it and painted over it. And like you could have just like, <laughs> like poked your finger. <laughs> and then we were like, Bye. See yeah. you later. Just like just hang, away. A, hang a poster over it. <laughs> Pretty much. So from that point, yeah. Now we call you Canada's most improved handyman because right. man, those skills have come a long way. Because yeah. you do like everything now. At some point, we should do a tour of our house because David two years ago renovated our entire house. Yeah. Um, our entire main floor by hand. The whole kitchen did all the hardwood, installed all the cabinets, did all the lighting, like all the tile work, like everything. So yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was a very uh, very handy fellow. Now I am a handy fellow. Yeah, so he's the he's the guy we call when things break and he has to fix things. Mm-hmm. So you are the detail guy. The detail guy. You're the staff management guy. Yeah. You're the fixer, builder, repairman guy. And oh, then, I, uh, I do a lot of the gymnastics seminars too. Yeah, the gymnastics seminars. That. That's like your jam. I've always been, yeah. You're good at. I, I should have stuck with it as a kid because that's always been my like my strength. I've, I think it's because I have like skinny little chicken legs and so my upper body... Built like a gymnast. Yeah, built like a gymnast. I'm like a tall gymnast. But I've always really enjoyed gymnastics and like been naturally pretty comfortable with it. And yeah, that's an area I've sort of specialized in, I guess you would say. So I do all the gymnastics seminars and yeah, that's fun. Yeah, those things are cool too. So let's go back to the programming. When we say programming, that's making up the workouts. Who makes up the workouts? People often ask like, especially newer people coming into it, they want to know does like the global organization of CrossFit make up these workouts and we just follow them? Like, do we make them up? Does someone else make them up? How does it work? Every CrossFit gym has the option to do it however they want. Yeah. The way the CrossFit affiliation works, it's very open-ended. So we pay a licensing fee to basically use the name CrossFit along with our brand name. But then we get tons of freedom from CrossFit HQ in the way we want to implement the methodology in our affiliate. So programming is a big one that's a big variation from crossfit gym to crossfit gym there are some gyms that program for themselves like we do Mm -hmm. there are gyms that follow outside programming so there's like sort of different crossfit games athletes or sort of well-known you know seminar staff members or sort of well-known people in the crossfit industry that do programming and they you can like purchase it or subscribe to their programming crossfit itself now is offering its own cap it's called crossfit affiliate programming sort of loosely in line with the workouts that you just see on crossfit.com the main site workouts we Mm -hmm. call them so they now are providing that as a as an optional service to affiliates as well which you know pluses and minuses to all the different ways of doing that we over the years we love to experiment with things we've tried all sorts of different stuff yeah we started out with the main page programming and it used to be really cool because well it still is i guess but they would have people comment on the main page, like what their time was or what mods they did or whatever. And so it was a little bit of like an online community. Mm-hmm. And way long time ago, it was cool because a lot of the CrossFit Games athletes, the old school people like Chris Spieler would also post their stuff up on there. So they were even doing the main program. Mm-hmm. So we started out with that 
And so we've always been fairly like conventional mm-hmm. in the way we've done things. But I remember getting to a point where we only had like two rowers, right? When we were early on and it would be a whole bunch of rowing in a workout. And the, the sub they would recommend would be like light empty bar sumo deadlift high pulls. And I was like, well, that's kind of a different thing. And it would be, they're, they're from California originally. So it would be the middle of February and the workout would have running in it. And so we'd have to like come up with a creative way to, to modify. And I just started to realize that like we're modifying a lot more than we're actually doing with the way our gym is set up. So that's when we started to like think of other things we could be doing. Mm -hmm. And it it was originally, we would just like fill in the rest days. Because CrossFit.com programs three days on one day off. Yeah. Like pretty much always has for like way far back. So then way long time ago, we were closed on Sundays, but then when we started doing Sundays, we had two days a week, usually that there was nothing programmed. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to like fit something into somebody else's program so the longer we started to get on, the more we realized it was it was better if we kind of just like took ideas from other places, but then made it our own. Yeah. Okay. So when you do the programming, what's, let's go from like big picture down to the daily. Okay. What's the big picture? Where do you start from like the high level overview? Like I generally, I always do it based upon our athletes, right? I don't mm-hmm. worry about what anybody else that has something going on is happening i just i just focus on like what's happening in our gym based on the season so open is always a big one right leading up to the open we know from you know a decade of history what the open type workouts are going to be so i'll I'll, leading up to that i'll try to like prep people for the open as much as we can summer is generally a um, slower time for everybody we have way more people that are like away at the lake on the weekends or they're only making it in two or three times instead of their normal four or five or whatever Um, so during the summer, I try not to do a big like strength cycle where people are going to miss half the days, right? Because the the biggest thing with like a strength cycle is consistency. So I try to do it in the fall. We do more lifting. Um, so currently we're doing a few more strength days than we normally do. And then leading up to the open, we focus more on like stamina and conditioning because that's generally 90% of the open. And then after the open and we do a little bit of a like, you know, more lifting stuff again and then into the summer it's a little bit more of a like let's just have some fun and a lot of running a lot of running like, yeah that's the big thing is we don't get to run you around here so we we take advantage of that dial up the running so yeah I, I try to do like like quarterly or seasonally sort of plans based on what's coming up or what's happening mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> I'll take a bunch of our benchmark type workouts that we like to do like every May long, we do Murph, and then that's the begin. Like the tough thing for Murph for us is that's the beginning of our running season. So I like to do a Murph at the beginning of the season, and then a Murph at the end of the season in the fall, so people can September, have like October. a cool compare to of like, well, now you've been working on your running and, and whatever. If we're doing a major like milestone workout like Murph, I will do some prep leading up to it. But I try not to just focus entirely on that because people often get lost in the weeds where they're like, okay, we're going to do Fran in six weeks. And they do like nothing but thrusters and pull-ups for six weeks. And it's like, okay, great. You crushed Fran, but there's a slew of other things that you got worse at because you focused entirely on, on Fran. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try not to ever get lost in the weeds. I try to always like look at what are all the things we need to be good at and try to balance it out so that every week, you have the opportunity to attack those things with our membership base 
there's no like everybody works out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, everybody takes Thursday off. It's just, it's random, right? So I, I try to make it that it doesn't matter what day you come in, it's going to be challenging and fun. And, and if it's only one of two or three workouts that week, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Very traditional CrossFit stuff. Yeah. I always describe us as pure classic CrossFit. Yeah. You'll find some gyms that tend to favor more just like heavy lifting and they kind of like don't yeah. do a lot of burpees and running or you'll yeah. find gyms that more like boot camp style where every day is a 30 minute chipper and they don't really ever teach a snatch and mm-hmm. they're not doing like heavy strength days, yeah. which is not CrossFit. None, neither of those things are CrossFit. CrossFit is constantly varied functional movement executed at high intensity, right? Yeah. The balance across all 10 of the generally recognized physical skills. So trying to be broadly balanced across all domains of fitness, time domains, modal domains, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we, we get the, the gamut in the week. Yep. Long, short interval style. Some are heavy, some are light. We've got barbells, we've got body weight movements. We've got the cardio movements, yep. metabolic conditioning, monostructural cardio. I guess we should technically define them as because everything's cardio. <laughs> Everything yeah. makes you out of breath. Yeah. Yeah. Like I try to balance of skills. I try to balance it out. So there's always the people that love to lift and there's the people that love to do cardio. And if I just program like a five by five back squat and that's it for the day, I'm treating those people that love to lift and the people that only like to do cardio aren't going to show up. So I try to make it where you got to do a little bit of both, right? We're going to do some heavy back squats, but then afterwards you're going to do a super short cardio workout. Or, you know, if we're going to do a long gymnastics workout one day, the next day is going to be more weightlifting or heavy or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's always, it's varied, but not random. It's, you know, there is some, some thought behind it a lot. <laughs> yeah. It takes me like quite a while to do all the the programming and planning and coaching notes and everything, but yeah, I, I like it. I, I always tell people I, I program for our top level athletes. A lot of the, pro, the a lot of the problems with uh, doing somebody else's program like let's say you're trying to follow Matt Fraser's program. Like the guy can snatch 300 pounds. So he might do a Metcon with snatches and they're 135 or 155 pounds. And the person that's following it is like, okay, I'm going to do what Matt does. But if their one rep max is 185, they have no business doing that same weight that Matt is using in his program. And people aren't good at scaling appropriately for themselves. So I, I try to take what is our best athlete? Like what's our strongest guy? What can he snatch? And if he can't snatch 315, I'm not going to worry about programming something for somebody that could snatch 315. Mm-hmm. So we program for the best, scale for the rest. Yeah. We don't program anything that no one can do because what's the point of that? Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, we'll have one where we'll be like halfway through the day and so far nobody's done it. We're like, oh shit, maybe this one was too hard. And then one, like one or two people would do it. I'll be like, okay, good. Thank yeah, you okay. for that. That's someone good. can do it. Yeah. Someone can do it. Because it's not like, and that's the other thing is I don't program for myself either because I am no superstar athlete. Like in that case, we would never do thrusters. <laughs> Not a big fan of thrusters. Um, there's, I have plenty of strengths and weaknesses, and even in our program, I. I program not for what I can do. I program for what our best athletes can do. And so there's certain workouts that I still scale down. And then there's some workouts that they're great for me. And, but that's the beauty is that everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. We did at one point, uh, four or five years ago, experiment with following an outside program. I won't yep. say which one, cause I'm going to say not nice things about it. <laughs> and it, we thought, you know, we're always open to trying things. You, I would, I would consider a point of pride between you and I is that we're always willing to try something. Yep but that also a strength of ours is to abandon what's not working and yeah. not try to stick with something when it's clearly not working for us anymore. So we thought oh, we got kind of like tantalized into this, like maybe these outside programs or these high level coaches, maybe they're onto something. So we mm-hmm. followed one of them for about six months and it was 
terrible. Yeah. Like literally people, members in the gym were like, what is with the programming lately? Like, this is awful. And we were like, I know, right? Like it was way heavy on rowing, like tons and tons and tons of rowing. And then like leading up to the open, we're like, we haven't done a toes to bar in four months. Like things that you know are going to come up in the open. Rowing is almost always in the open, but like one One movement and one workout and to spend a disproportionate amount of time on that thing at the sacrifice of, of so many other movements. And then, like you said, trying to fit in someone else's program with like our setup and our equipment. Mm-hmm. And then we have, um, cause it was kind of a generic program, all the other cool pieces of equipment that we have, like strongman sandbags or prowlers or sleds, never we were never it. getting, yeah. they were never getting used because the, a generic program is kind of only for the general equipment that you can expect most CrossFit yeah. gyms to have. So we tried it. It sucked. Um, <laughs> but it's good to know that yeah. you either win or you learn. And we learned from that experience that for us, outside programming is, is not a good fit, Yeah. but we're in a lucky position that you like doing the programming Yeah. and you're very good at it. And, and I'm, I'm far from perfect. There's been workouts we've done where we're just like, mm, I could probably never do that one again and that'd be fine. Or we'll like, I'll try some new things and I can, th- like the beauty is I can see when people are doing it, I'd be like, yep, yeah, this one's good. Like this type of stuff is worth doing. Or if somebody does it and they're like, uh, eh, really get a lot of that they can talk to me about that and I can explain to them what they got out of it or if we just decide as a group that that one thing we were trying wasn't really working we can abandon it whereas if you're just following some random person on the internet's program like you have no control you have no say and then yeah like you said it's it's programmed for anybody so who knows what kind of equipment you're going to have or need who knows if you'll be able to do certain ones based on the time of the year and then the biggest thing is just like proper implementation, right? Like having a coach there who can like explain the whys and and make you understand what you're supposed to be getting out of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You can get fitter doing any program or you can get hurt and injured and overtrained on any program. It's really in the the implementation and the attitude with how you approach it. So I think having you, having the programming come from, from within, from us, from you, Mm. you do the programming, you don't work out and do anything else other than the, the workouts that we program for our gym. So you have like sort of the personal feel for it. We observe a lot of like yeah. how things go. How did you imagine the workout would go? How did it actually go? Did we nail it? Were we off? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like a continuous learning process. Yeah. And we're always paying attention and like making little tweaks to like the right amount of volume and are people getting fitter? Are they getting stronger? Are they getting the skills? And yeah. does it match the sort of goals and fitness level of, of the membership that we have? And year to year, that has changed. Yep. What, like, our member base and our fitness level and the goals of people and mm-hmm. what we're trying to do with the programming, where we're trying to go with it. Yeah. I'll brag on your behalf. We hear all the time that we're known for having really good programming and that other gyms, other athletes watch and follow. Like, we post our workouts. Anyone can see them mm-hmm. on our website. Numerous other athletes that used to work out with us and moved away still follow our programming we hear all the time if people go to another CrossFit gym where they're like, ah, oh, it's just not as good. Like, I know. <laughs> so, Humble brag. <laughs> Humble brag. I'll brag about you okay. because I'm always very proud when I hear that because I think you do a really good job of, Thank you. of uh, good programming. I try, to, I try to balance what people want and what people need. Ooh, that's a big one. That's, that's a whole a topic one. in itself, yeah. right? We'll, we'll talk about that in a future podcast. But <laughs> every time, sometimes you just like to do a you know, long, sweaty... Filthy 50. Filthy 50 type grind, right? And it's like, do you need to do that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Sometimes you need to do some heavy ass deadlifts, right? So 
if you're only just choosing the stuff you want to do, you're, you're just limited. So I try to balance it out where what you want, what you need, you get both, you know, make it, make it fun. Mm -hmm. And make it fun. That's like, could underline that, right? Like the workouts need to be fun. Yeah. The most effective fitness program is the one that you will actually do. Yeah. So I don't really care. You know, I like to nerd out on science and stuff, but like, I don't really care what someone in an exercise physiology lab has determined is the exact right amount of work to rest ratio. And it increases capacity on a Wingate test by 0.1%, like mm-hmm. cool, but like, that's not the thing, yeah. right? If it's not fun and people won't do it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Cause so, they won't, they won't try hard. They won't do what they need to do to get better. Yeah. So the, there's definitely an element of fun involved yeah. in the programming and there's lots of ways to make it fun. Yeah. And I think you do a good job of that too. Thank you. Partner workouts. People love a good partner workout. Those yeah. ones are cool and chances to retest and see progress and yeah, cool little challenges or interesting, like, you know, ways of of implementing different we've experimented with all kinds of things like Mm -hmm. changing the idea of what does what is rx so as prescribed which often is just the movements the weights and the number of reps and we went like well what if what if rx is a pace yeah what if i'm like i don't care what weight you use but you need to get 100 reps in this amount of time yeah and it's only in r you only get to market rx if you get this much work done yeah or it's pull-ups, but they have to be unbroken sets of 10. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you can do all singles where RX is a stamina today Yeah. or things like that, where we've experimented lots with, you know, a different way to conceptualize exactly what RX means. Yeah. There's a big difference between, between doing five wall balls at a time at 20 or 14 pounds and doing 30 wall balls in a row at, you know, eight or 10 pounds or whatever. Those are two completely different things so both have their place both have a benefit sometimes you should do less and go heavier totally but some you can't always do that sometimes you need to go lighter and go faster and go big set so yeah we try to like find the balance yeah across all those things and like i said continually evolving process always yeah it's funny to look back on our like spreadsheet of all the workouts from like a decade ago we have a giant spreadsheet that goes all the way back to 2011 yeah i think i've been using the same one since like yeah forever ago yeah and to look back and see what we used to be like, oh shit, that looks, looks easy. Yeah. <laughs> so a little peek behind the curtain, David programs the workouts a couple weeks ahead of time. So we have like the year plan, the sort of phases, like you mentioned, you program the actual workouts in, in one week blocks, but a few weeks ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, make up the workouts. You do all the, the notes that the athletes see if you're on beyond the whiteboard, yep. you do that part. Then I take the workouts and the notes and we have a whole separate hub for our coaches where then they have access to coaches notes for each day and they can see those a week ahead of time so that they have the opportunity to um, prepare for the classes, be on the same page in terms of like, what's the stimulus and how are we scaling and what's the goal? What's the time cap? And like, how are we organizing the workout and all the things that the coaches would need to know? So Mm -hmm. it's like a multi-step process from conceptualizing it in your brain to what you see in the classes of how the workouts actually go. Yeah. So a lot going on in the background. Okay, let's talk more about you specifically. Okay. You mentioned some of your your faves in CrossFit. I mentioned one of your <laughs> least faves. <Yeah. laughs> what what are your favorite moves in CrossFit? What's your favorite things to do? My favorite move is probably bar muscle-ups. I love bar muscle-ups. I like regular pull-ups. I dislike chest-to-bar pull-ups. Mm. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Yeah. Anything pulling, I've always been pretty comfortable my body not pulling other things <laughs> so yeah any gymnastic type stuff i usually prefer that body weight movement okay if you could ban one movement from crossfit for the rest of eternity what would it be 
normally I would say thrusters, but I've been actually doing the bike more. So I'm going to say the bike. Cool. Yeah. I feel yeah. like a lot of people would vote for that one. It's the worst. It, I just, I we're old it. enough to remember a time in CrossFit before there yeah, was, it was glorious. echo bikes in every CrossFit gym. Yeah. I, I feel like thrusters you can work on, you can get better at, but like the bike just sucks no matter what. <laughs> it's just so it always hard. feels the same. Maybe you're it's going so faster. hard. Okay. So you would do bar muscle ups forever and you would ban the echo bike. I get rid of the bike. The rest of bike. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's talk about like some non CrossFit stuff. What was yeah. the last book you read? You actually read quite a bit. I do read a lot. I, I try to balance my reading with like garbage fiction as they call it <laughs> <laughs> and like actual like nonfiction talk about your love stuff. of garbage fiction for a moment okay. what are what's your garbage fiction that you like i like like zombie apocalypse books <laughs> <laughs> i like really like ridiculous uh like pandemic and end of the world survival type books we share a kindle account and i'm always <laughs> like what is this shit <laughs> I, like, I like put it in a separate folder yeah they're great yeah i'm getting lots of tips just in case <laughs> we ever uh have to deal with this ourselves okay so in between reading garbage yeah. zombie apocalyptic fiction yeah. novels what what's something else that you've read lately the last thing i read was a hunter gatherer's guide to the 21st century i think it's called by brett weinstein and his wife heather heather. Yeah. heather and it was it was good it was there was no zombies in that book it was more about like the evolution of humans and how a lot of our modern day habits are kind of against what we've evolved to do and how to sort of like better live your life the way we were sort of like the way we evolved to live I guess with you know the modern day devices and habits and stuff that we're doing so it was good it wasn't like amazing but it was pretty good yeah a little change from yeah from the zombie books <laughs> and I'm, now I'm currently reading another another zombie, another one. zombie <laughs> actually no this one's not about zombies this one there's like superheroes like all of a sudden superheroes oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> hobbies do you have any hobbies hobbies i like like we said earlier i like working with my hands i like doing little like projects around the house so that would be my biggest hobby i guess yeah and i don't know if you guys have noticed in the gym that like things are changing all the time mm -hmm. and people are always like what is david up to now and it's like yeah and that's you know it's funny when our house is like too there's yeah. always something david's always, always got something. something on the go i like to stay busy when i was a kid i used to like rearrange my room every few months i was totally that kid it was like now the bed's gonna be on this wall and this desk is gonna be on that wall and i would do that all the time yeah it's constantly whatever is the word for the opposite of a procrastinator <laughs> is you i will like have a like see something cool on Pinterest and be like, oh, wouldn't this look neat on our wall? This is a true story. <laughs> and oh, that would look neat in our dining room. And like 28 hours later, it was on the wall in our yeah. dining room. And I would just, I would like think about things yeah. for three years and I would save a bunch of photos and I would just, I like would never get anything done. And you're just like yeah. the fastest at getting things done. Because then you just get to There isn't even a word it. for that. What's the opposite of a procrastinator? No, no, no. A getter dunner. A getter dunner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm a getter dinner for sure. It <laughs> doesn't sound as good. And the good thing about doing it yourself is you like it's so much cheaper, and so you can yeah. do it. And then if in two years you don't like it anymore, you just change it. Yeah, rip it off. Which we also do a lot of that. Yeah, ripping stuff down. Okay, we're gonna do a rapid fire question okay. round. You have to answer as fast as you can without thinking about it. Okay. Okay. Pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? Absolutely yes. Beer or wine? Beer IPA. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Yeah. Ice cream, right? Sure. Vanilla. Interpret as needed. Okay. Country music, yes or no? Mostly no. Oh, even for a guy from Calgary. There's like three songs I like. That's Snack time, salty or sweet? 
Both. (laughs) Early bird or night owl? Neither. I like to sleep. (laughs) Sloth. I like, I don't know, I guess... I guess I'm more of an early bird than... I don't stay up late, so I'm an early bird. Yeah, I guess so. But I don't get up that early. <laughs> I just <laughs> I sleep a lot. Okay, so final question. Okay. Why CrossFit? What role does it play in your life? Why is it important to you? What gets you to stick with it after all these very many years? I'm definitely one of those people that has been through a lot of ups and downs, right? I'm, I've ne- I haven't been consistently doing it for 13 years. I go through phases where I hate it and I don't want to do it. And then I go through phases where I love it. And I want to do it all the time. I remember being on a really good trend when I first started. And then my first like stop was when I broke my leg in the CrossFit competition and I had to take a bunch of time off. And that, that was the first time we're like coming back into it. It was so hard to get back into it. Cause I like, I was up here and then I didn't work out for like too long. And then I dropped down to here and then like building your way back up again. It's so frustrating. So I've had lots of like ups and downs with, with CrossFit in my life, but I'm currently on a very good trend and I'm back in the like loving it phase. And for me, the thing is like, I'm 43 now. And the thing for me is like, when I tell people I'm 43, the reaction is usually like, you're 43. I know. I get that. It's, it's like, David, a, what? How yeah, old? yeah man. it's, it's like a fountain of youth. You know, there's, it, there's something about being able to, to like age well. And I'm, you know, fitter now than I was in my twenties and I look better and I feel better. And, you know, my kids are proud that I can do crazy stuff. And it's just like, it's basically the fountain of youth, you know, it, it keeps me young and it makes me feel like when I meet somebody else who's like younger than me and they look like 10 years older, I'm just like, holy shit, I'm killing it right now. And it's kind of the whole Pat Sherwood thing, right? Where he was, he said in a podcast once that he's like, it's really hard to be a good athlete when you're young, right? Cause everybody's young and fit and healthy and to be like, to be, elite. T- to be elite, you have to be crazy elite, right? And those are the CrossFit Games athletes. But then 30s, it's like, oh, there's a little, little few more people like falling off and not really taking care of themselves anymore. He's like, but if you can just hold on, <laughs> if you can just hold on till your 40s and 50s, like you can be any level of fitness and you are killing it relative to the rest of the population. So it's kind of like the older I get, the more important it becomes to me because I don't want to, I never want to be a super old person that can't take care of them. I've always been a very independent soul and, I've always taken care of myself and I just want to like live a good life more than a long life. And and this is kind of the way I, I do it, you know, you remain an active participant in yeah. life. Yeah. Your birthday last year, this year, when you turned 43, I made a little video montage of like <laughs> of all of your like highlights from the, from the previous year. It wasn't even like I had to reach back and it was like, yeah, you were doing jumps on the snowboard hill with atlas and you were doing backflips on the trampoline and you were cliff diving and skateboarding and like doing all these cool things and i was like damn david is so cool yeah but if i was 20 it would be like whatever just another stupid 20 year old -old guy but like yeah yeah, that capability active participant in life definitely super active in terms of all the things you can do with our kids and yeah and all that kind of stuff and yeah and uh damn you look good aging well thank you looking good for 43 try to try to do what I can. <laughs> I hope you guys have enjoyed getting to know David <laughs> Boss Riley. I sure have. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. For many years. Yeah. Okay, thanks for watching you guys. Thanks.